Thursday, November 2nd, 2023, and this is a Daily Inc. update. The Israeli Defense Forces are reporting that at least 230 Americans are currently being held by Hamas terrorists somewhere in Gaza. More than 500 Americans are trapped inside the Gaza Strip with no way to exit after the attacks on Israel occurred back on October 7th. Israel has subsequently sent in ground forces to that area. All told, U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says there are roughly 1,000 Americans in Gaza that the State Department is working on getting released. There are a total of 2.3 million people living in the Gaza Strip area. U.S. Senator Marsha Blackburn of Tennessee believes that the Americans that have dual passports should be considered hostages at this point since they're not being allowed out of the area as they are authorized to do. And retired Air Force Brigadier General Blaine Holt told Newsmax that about 12 to 20 Americans are believed to be held somewhere in the Hamas underground tunnels in the Gaza Strip. More revelations are coming out regarding the Biden family and Joe Biden that have been released by the House Oversight Committee. The latest findings were detailed in a video by Chairman James Comer of Kentucky, and it has to do with a bank statement and payment that all started back in August of 2017 when Hunter Biden demanded payment from the Chinese firm known as CEFC and in a text reminded business associate Henry Zhao that his father, Joe Biden, was sitting in the room as he texted those demands. The extortion scheme worked. Days later, $5 million flowed in from a Chinese affiliate of CEFC. Over the following three weeks, Biden family members made a series of complicated financial transactions to hide the source of the China money. Here's how that happened. First, Northern International Capital, a Chinese company associated with CEFC, wired $5 million to Hudson West 3, a joint venture established by Hunter Biden and a CEFC associate. Then Hudson West 3 sent $400,000 to an entity owned and controlled by Hunter Biden. Next, Hunter Biden wired $150,000 to Lion Hall Group, a company owned by James and Sarah Biden. Sarah Biden then withdrew $50,000 in cash from Lion Hall Group. Later the same day, she deposited it into her and James Biden's personal checking account. A few days later, Sarah Biden cut a check to Joe Biden for $40,000. The memo line of the check said loan repayment. Donald Trump Jr. was in New York City on Wednesday to testify in the fraud trial against his dad that's coming from the New York District Attorney Letitia James. Trump is being accused of overvaluing his businesses and assets in the process of getting bank loans. Donald Trump Jr. and Eric Trump are both accused of helping their father in these efforts by providing fraudulent financial statements. Both deny the accusations. Donald Trump Jr. was set to be the person to certify financial statements after Trump became president in 2017 and Eric Trump began running the Trump organization. Trump did not attend the courthouse in New York City on that day, but he did post on Truth Social that Judge Arthur Engeron is a disgrace to the legal profession and should leave Trump's children alone. We're now finding out how far back the whole gain-of-function effort with the SARS coronavirus was on the mind and in the plans of Dr. Anthony Fauci. The National Institute of Health, which was being directed by Fauci at the time, sent federal funds to a Montana laboratory a year before the coronavirus became common knowledge to most Americans. The Montana laboratory then proceeded to infect 12 Egyptian fruit bats with the virus and then shipped those bats over to the Wuhan China lab. All of this information is coming out from the White Coat Waste Project, which is a taxpayer watchdog group that released the report. The experimentation with the coronavirus 
was an effort that enlisted the Wuhan Institute of Virology, the University of North Carolina, and the Rocky Mountain Lab in Montana. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky has been at odds with Fauci from the start of the COVID-19 pandemic. He went on Newsmax this week and did not mince words regarding Dr. Anthony Fauci. Well, the biggest error we made was letting Anthony Fauci lie to us. He lied about masks. He lied about the school lockdowns. But ultimately, he also lied about where the virus came from. He said it was a conspiracy theory. He got the government to work with Facebook and Twitter to suppress any kind of notion that it could have come from the lab. But after studying this for three years and writing a book on it, in the book Deception, we uncover the cover-up. The cover-up started in January of 2020, from the very beginning He knew that he had funded the lab in Wuhan and he was going to do everything he could cover up any connection between the NIH and his particular part of the NIH and the funding in Wuhan. But we have him dead to rights. In fact, the proof of his malfeasance, the proof of his lying, the proof of his dishonesty and his felony lying to Congress are in his own words. And this leads into the fourth part of a discussion between U.S. and Canadian scientists on the Steve Kirsch podcast talking about the contaminants they found within the COVID-19 vaccine plasmid, which was DNA strands that are predisposed to cause cancer. Furthermore, Pfizer Pharmaceutical Company listed every element put into their vaccine except for the SV40 DNA strand when they submitted documents to the U.S. and Canadian regulators for the manufacturing of the vaccine. Health Canada has stated in an email that this is not supposed to be there. Um, and they've confirmed that it's a bioactive molecule that's not supposed to be there. It breaks the rules. They need to immediately put a moratorium on this. They need to, like any other drug that would be found with a contaminant that was not disclosed to them would be uh, recalled immediately. That is exactly what should happen. You have a contaminant now that you have publicly disclosed to, to everybody, is not supposed to be there, was not revealed to, to you, it breaks your rules. If I mean, this is the case, Steve. How many lies do you have to tell to be a liar? One, right? So if if Health Canada wants to restore faith, they have to immediately recall this product. These natural story updates have been brought to you by Open Inc., a website that is a repository of documents for those who like deep digging, critical thinking, and true journalism, where the facts speak for themselves. Up next, a preview of what is coming and what is available on the Open Inc. website. Washington Examiner has recently put out an article related to the mysterious gallows constructed just before the January 6th rally in Washington, D.C. There were five men seen constructing the video and they changed their clothing several times afterwards. One of the men in particular is very familiar with the downtown parts of D.C., especially when it comes to the area of the FBI headquarters and the coffee shop across the street. The surveillance video overlooking the mall where the gallows was built is featured on the Open Inc. website under the J6 Special Collection. In the article that was written by Paul Bedard of the Washington Examiner, the website link is also given that sends the reader to the Open Inc. embedded video, which is narrated by attorney Ed Martin. Martin has been legally representing over 100 people who have been charged with rioting by the FBI for their part in the Capitol Hill protests. Martin says that after reviewing hours of the various videos related to the gallows being built on January 6th, that he now believes the noose was planted by anti-Trump operatives rather than those who were actually showing up for the Trump speech at the Ellipse or the Capitol Hill rally. 
Martin says that Ronald Reagan used to say trust but verify, but now Martin says the opposite in light of the FBI and DOJ actions against Americans. He says distrust then verify. Martin says that is his standard starting point to assume that people are lying and then take time to figure out if if they might be telling the truth. Also in the state of Connecticut, a Democrat judge has overturned the mayoral primary election that was held in the town of Bridgeport. Superior Court Judge William Clark wrote that the volume of ballots that were mishandled in this primary was so egregious as to call into question the election results. So the judge is ordering a new primary election to be held. Now, the Daily Inc. did report on this story when it first started to emerge about the security video that captures a city clerk stuffing illegal ballots into a drop box more than once. State law in Connecticut only allows a person to deposit absentee ballots for immediate family members. However, the clerk in the video, Wanda Jeter Patsky, was seen with handful of ballots, upwards of 50. When the video came to light, the candidate who was challenging the incumbent mayor, John Gomes, held a press conference where his attorney sought to challenge the election. In this primary alone, the city of Bridgeport received over 4,000 absentee ballot applications an unprecedented number in the city and possibly the state. This trend, coupled with the State Election Enforcement Commission's recommendations regarding the misuse of absentee ballots in the city's 2019 mayoral election, has raised serious concerns about the potential for abuse in the absentee ballot system. On primary night, our campaign was victorious at the polls, with a stand of 470 votes based on incoming results. However, as absentee ballots were being tabulated, our lead dramatically eroded, ultimately resulting in a 2-1 loss margin with an ultimate election difference of 251 votes. Such a drastic shift in results raised red flags as they've had in the past. Today, we are holding this press conference because we have gathered evidence indicating voter suppression and absentee ballot fraud. Multiple complaints have been filed with the State Election Enforcement Commission, including the most recent and irrefutable piece of evidence, an incriminating video for City Hall security footage showing Wanda Jita Paskey, the vice chair of the Bridgeport Democratic Town Committee, the district leader of the 136, and and a city employee of Bridgeport, depositing absentee ballots at 999 Broad Street. Once this case got to court, the voting registrar admitted in the court hearing that she is very unfamiliar with state law in regards to signature verification and the handling of absentee ballots. This video was featured on the Rumble channel belonging to Behezi and The George Show. And uh, were you aware that if the, the Secretary of State says in Exhibit 126, if an outer envelope does not substantially comply with this requirement, the ballot cannot be counted? Did you know that? Now I do. So past practices were in your office, the Registrar of Voters, Democratic Registrar of Voters office was not to require a signature on the clerk's endorsement? Oh, no, I know. Um, actually, this is um, new to me about the signature. I'm not clear, so that means I haven't read the book thoroughly and properly like I should have in this instance. In this instance. Now, the general election in the town of Bridgeport is coming up on November 7th, and that also includes the mayoral race. So exactly how this judge's recent ruling will be played out in redoing a primary election after the fact is going to be quite an election conundrum. 
But the revelation of how the mail-in ballots and the absentee ballot system is exploited and fraudulently used is a major story, and it only took two Democrats competing against each other for it to be brought to light. If this were a Democrat up against a Republican, the story may never have seen the light of day, made it into any type of report, or made it to an actual courtroom. Thanks for listening to this Daily Inc. update. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that.